Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Monday. This is Chad Grills from the Mission Daily. I'm the CEO of the Mission, and the Mission Daily is your number one source for accelerated learning. And today, the maze is for you. The idea maze, that is. Hey, everyone. This is Stephanie Postles. Glad to join you on another episode. Same here. It's great to have you with us. And let's start off with a quote that listeners may have heard before, but helps illuminate why the idea maze is so important. That is, the limits of my language mean the limits of my world. That's a quote by Ludwig Wittgenstein, who was an Austrian British philosopher. He worked in logic, mathematics, uh, philosophy of the mind, and he was a theorist in the field of language, human language, obviously. Puppy language was more difficult uh, for him. He, He didn't quite crack that code. But the point being here, that if we don't have the right words and terminology to describe or characterize groups of our experiences or ways to help articulate what we're doing and why, it's obviously more difficult. So today we're introducing an idea called the idea maze. And this is a concept that was coined by Balaji Srinivasan, who's an entrepreneur. He founded Earn.com, a genomics company. And he was, a, uh, I think, a board partner for a while at Andreessen Horowitz, uh, among other top tier venture funds. And I think he was a partner at another venture fund. I don't know. But the idea here is that all great startups have similar characteristics and all great startups and companies that escape competition, that go on to become self-perpetuating businesses that do good in the world, their founders and their core team have typically gone down uh, an idea maze to arrive at their thesis and arrive at their, their product. And the idea maze is something that can stretch over a couple years or in the case of entrepreneurs like Dyson, who invented like Dyson hand drying systems and vacuum cleaners and things like that, it can take uh, a decade or decades sometimes for scientists who are developing a new theory of in physics or something like that. The point being here is that the idea maze is something that everyone needs to know is because chances are you're in some type of maze, some type of idea maze that you're struggling with right now. And some of these ideas I think can really help you navigate, avoid the pitfalls and emerge victorious into the sunlight once you exit the idea maze. I'm excited. All right. And today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio. More than 2 million developers around the world have used Twilio to unlock the magic of communications. This October, Twilio is hosting Signal, the developer conference of the year. And the Mission Daily listeners, you guys can receive 20% off tickets when you go to signal.twilio.com and use our promo code MISSION20. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N 20. Love it. And we will be there on location. So the mission team. Come see us. Yeah, come see us. Come say what's up. Uh, If you don't know about us, we create podcasts and shows. We're building an entire network of podcasts, shows, uh, original branded content. And we partner with the best technology companies in the world like Twilio. Uh, any any company that's doing good in the world, uh, that's helping facilitate communications, uh, transport, uh, generally making life better, uh, we want to partner with them. And that's why we partner with Twilio, Salesforce, and the list goes on. So if that's your company, be sure to reach out and we would love to put a custom podcast sponsorship together for you. So let's dive back into the episode. So the idea maze term was coined by Balaji Srinivasan and then Chris Dixon, another partner at A16Z, he wrote a Uh, an essay, I think back in 2013, where he described this and kind of like told the story uh, about what it is. And so 
this is let's let's take out the most important and uh, big ideas from this essay and kind of dissect them a little, a little bit here. So the pop culture and media view of startups, the pop popular view basically, is that you know you get a great product idea and then you run and get money, you take it to market, and it works. So you know there's a lot of cliches like execution is everything and ideas don't matter. So the reality though is that ideas and what you're working on and the strength of the idea and how, how good how good it is, it really does matter. It actually matters uh, just as much as execution. And so here's here's a quote where they the two, Balaji and Chris, kind of characterize this. So a good founder is capable of anticipating which turns lead to treasure and which lead to certain death. A bad founder is just running to the entrance of the movies, music, file sharing, P2P maze, or the photo sharing maze without any sense of the history of the industry, the players in the maze, the casualties of the past, and the technologies that are likely to move walls and change assumptions. So let's unpack that a little bit. So what that quote is saying is that a founder and the founding team have to be very, very careful that they're not just latching on to a trend or something that is hot in the industry because the danger of that is you're likely to get money. You're likely to get investor money very quickly if you're on just following and chasing a hot trend or whatever startup idea gets you the most uh, congratulations and pats on the back from your friends and family. It's very easy to just gravitate towards the path of least resistance. And me, you know, meanwhile, there are all kinds of, you know, you're swimming in, in waters where there's sharks. There are very large incumbents. Uh, competition, both internal and external, meaning like in, inside the company and outside, like the calls coming from inside the house type thing you have to be careful of. And the point being here that you have to study history. It's so, so complicated. It's not one thing. It's a whole collection of things that you have to do and navigate safely. Yeah. And I also like that he says it's impossible to completely map out the idea maze. So you might not always know his examples around Netflix. Like maybe they didn't know what the future would hold or where the technology would open a hidden door to create, you know, a better product or that they would eventually just kill off their original business of, you know, CDs and mail and just completely go into the, you know, we're doing it over the Internet. Um, so you won't know that from the beginning, but it gives you kind of a starting a map basically of here's some things you should consider. Do you want to walk through those? Yeah, definitely. And you're, the example here about Netflix is fantastic because that's where I think Reed and the founding team noticed that with changes in uh, Moore's Law and things that were constant throughout history or trends that they knew were going to continue and accelerate, they could see what mall, uh, malls, yeah, no, what walls were going to be uh, gone in the future. So what looked like a dead end to most people was really just uh, a secret entrance that was waiting to open once, you know, a couple of years had passed. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. So there's four main places to look for uh, or just basically places and things to keep in mind when you're in that maze or if you just dare to enter the maze in the first place. And these are uh, places where you can get wisdom, insights, and like we love to talk about here, secrets. So before we jump into that, um, you know, we mentioned that the mission is going on location everywhere now. Uh, we were lucky to be at uh, Airbnb yesterday and our team is growing rapidly and we're headed everywhere. One of the places that we're headed is Twilio Signal Conference. So if you're a developer out there and you want to go to the best conference for uh, developing cloud computing and uh, everything technical that's powering modern day apps, check out Twilio. 
Yep. And the conference is from October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. So whether you're here, or you're going to fly in, definitely going to be well worth it. And they have OK Go, the band, playing at their closing party. And they're also going to be doing a social experiment there. So if you guys know of OK Go <laughs> or if you've watched their YouTube videos or if you haven't, you should go because um, they do some crazy stuff. So I'm sure something amazing will happen at that conference. And of course, we'll be there. So come say hi. Yeah. So OK Go has like, uh, yeah, obviously a bunch of different songs with videos with Rube Goldberg type machines. So that's the uh, the terminology for the crazy machines that you can see in their video. And just, okay. Yeah, check them out on YouTube. Uh, but they are really, really cool for like if you're into tinkering, making or building. Yeah, check them out. And don't forget to use our promo code when you um, get those tickets. So go to signal.twilio.com and use Mission 20 to get 20% off the conference tickets. All right, back into the episode. Let's do it. So there's four things to keep in mind when you're getting ready to enter the maze or if you're already in it that will help you avoid the Minotaur and emerge with the treasure. So the first is history. So if your idea or your thesis has been tried before or something like it has tried before, you're going to find it in history books. And there are so many different uh, books about the history of Silicon Valley that many are either out of print or they're generally forgotten. And these are books that were painstakingly crafted by incredible journalists, incredible writers who dug to get the truth that was beyond the headlines and uh, package it for people. In many cases, I've found that people don't even, they don't want this knowledge. They're not interested in it, but it's sitting there. So if you're wondering how someone negotiated the challenge of starting a company with no capital, no connections, and no prior experience in the industry, the examples abound in there. And it's it's typically where there's not one answer, but you can find 12 answers in some of these books. And if you just think about the price of them, you know, you could buy for a couple hundred dollars, you could literally buy the answers to your challenges uh, in some of these books with the, you know, the, about the history of Silicon Valley, whether that's like the new, new thing by Michael Lewis that has some great insights in there or, um, you know, where wizards stay up late, which is an, another book that a lot of people have forgotten about. That's excellent. Uh, the answers are in history. Yeah. And what's interesting is that some of the smartest people in the finance industry, they always refer to like markets always have recurring events. So this isn't new. Just look back in history and this has happened before. And yeah. it's interesting to me that a lot of times startups, they go into stealth mode. And this is what Chris Dixon references in his um, in his essay. And they're not actually learning from any of the practitioners in the field because they're so afraid of their idea getting stolen. And he says the benefits of learning about the maze or what has happened previously outweigh the risks of ha actually having your idea stolen. Definitely. There's there's way more upside there. So it's easy to be uh, fearful that your idea is going to be stolen. Um, but in reality, when you expose your idea to other ideas, what happens is they kind of like cross pollinate. Um, yeah, James Altucher is always famous for, this is going to be super lame, but it's going to help us avoid a uh, an explicit yeah rating on the podcast, or, or will it? I don't know. Uh, uh -oh. But James Altucher calls it um, idea hanky-panky or idea sex. I, I don't, that's I don't not think it's a, Yeah, I don't think we can, like, that's ridiculous. Um, good Lord, I'm censoring myself. Um, the point being here is that ideas combine with other ideas, and they just basically bootstrap together to form higher and higher levels of complexity and novelty. And that's what you want. Uh, you want your idea to be tested because the person that has the uh, typically like the best ideas or the most uh, skills and confidence and uh, courage and everything like that is not going to be afraid of criticism or critiques. They're actually going to welcome those because they know that they're going to reinforce their idea. 
So if you're holding on to your idea, if you're protecting it, if it's your your darling, you know, don't be afraid to let it out into the world and breathe because that's when I think you can get the uh, a lot of insights um, really, really easily. And just a quick side note too about history. So we're not saying that history repeats itself, far from it, but it definitely rhymes and there are recurring themes and scenarios that, you know, you don't have time to live a hundred different lives, but through these books, you can encounter a hundred different scenarios that can inform your mental models that you then apply when you do go out into the world or try to finish navigating through the maze. Awesome. All right. So step one of navigating the idea maze is history. Check out what's happened before you. So step two is analogy. So basically look around and see who's building something kind of similar or in the same industry or type of business that you're building. So he says, if you're building a marketplace, you probably should understand eBay's beginnings. That's a great point to look at what's already happening. Definitely. And uh, don't stop there. So look at other marketplaces, whether it's uh, Airbnb or Thumbtack, there are so many different examples out there. Uh, And another cliche that goes around kind of unquestioned is, um, so Elon Musk has a famous quote that you shouldn't uh, reason using analogy and you should try to focus on first principles. While that's true, there are still plenty of other insights and parallels to draw from existing businesses. And I think a lot of people misinterpret that Elon quote to say, okay, well, I shouldn't use any type of analogy. I should just, you know, basically shut myself off and uh, get down to the physics of everything. And that's, that's definitely tempting, but by employing both strategies, I think you can make way more progress in a faster way. Yeah. And I think maybe a good example of this is when Facebook was being started and Mark Zuckerberg was, you know, trying to pitch Wirehog and that was like his baby. And that's like where he wanted to go with that business. He did, he was like, Facebook's just a side thing. That's just like a nice to have. But Wirehog is where it's at. And Sean Parker came in and said, hey, look at the industry. Look at what has happened so far. We're just going to get sued by doing Wirehog. The industry's not ready for it yet. We really shouldn't pursue this. Let's do Facebook instead. And here's Facebook today. I'd say they did pretty well by and maybe that's, avoiding that. That's such a great reminder that um, so history doesn't just limit itself to books. I think that we're very prone to because it's so hard to cooperate and collaborate and build meaningful relationships and friendships with people. We can fall into a trap where we don't want to take the lessons of history from an individual who has a lot of experience. It takes a lot of uh you know, it requires that you're humble and vulnerable to take experience and advice and hard-won knowledge and insights like that. In the case you ex- you mentioned from Sean Parker and, and Mark Zuckerberg, Mark had to basically humble himself and realize like, okay, Sean has navigated this through, uh, you know, Napster and he's been sued aggressively and it's probably going to happen. He is right. So history doesn't just come from books. It can come from experienced people. And oftentimes when we're face to face and talking with somebody, it's very tempting to think that all the greats or all the best ideas are somewhere else. They're not nearby. Um, But often the people around us really do have very valuable insights and wisdom. And if we can humble ourselves, then we can learn from them. And then their experiences, their pain, their suffering doesn't go to waste. It can actually be used to help avoid our own pain and suffering or that of our team or something like that. All right. So the third way to navigate the idea maze is theories. So there's decades of historical data about uh, tech startup and a lot of different people have sifted through it. We mentioned uh, books and we mentioned people, but nowadays there are videos of people speaking at conferences and things like that. So many people don't have the time. A lot of the most successful entrepreneurs are very busy. So when they do get a chance to speak at a conference or something like that, that's a win for them instead of writing a book and having to 
rewrite every sentence 10 different times. That is takes way too much time, time that they, they don't have. So oftentimes what you'll find online, if you just practice basically sifting through the internet and becoming a detective, a sleuth that follows, you know, your takes your idea maze all over the web and the inner interweb to whether it's forms or the Wayback Machine or obscure videos on YouTube that only have, you know, 900 people watch them or a couple thousand people watch them or an old podcast episode where this person, you know, you didn't even know that they did interviews. They appeared on this podcast episode uh, or in the case of a reclusive entrepreneur that's a, a genius um, like Bill Joy, who is the co-founder of Sun Microsystems. He wrote a great essay that I always recommend to people uh, to, called Does the Future Need Us? I think that's the name back in uh, 1999 or something like that. That is genius. And the ans- some of the answers you need are there, but you have to go deep if you're searching online to find them. Yeah. And he also references that sometimes investors have the best blogs that you can go to. So maybe picking out, you know, I really look up to these investors or they've really picked some companies that really turned into unicorns. So I admire what they did. They have to know something if they've been in it for, you know, a decade, they have to know some secrets as we always say. So check out the blogs that they write and, you know, they probably are seeing the trends before a lot of other people are. Definitely. And it doesn't just stop with investors. So if you're in the arts or anything like that, just you know, switch it up, look at uh, musician sites or their tumblers or their blogs or their interviews. So that takes us to number four, which this essay is obviously by Chris Dixon. And it sounds like Chris is a man after my own heart because he cites direct experience as being important here. And that is something I think we've been probably hammering on now for the past couple of <laughs> episodes about how important direct experience is. I'm sorry for the repetition, everybody, but it's that important. It's that important to get out in the real world, get out from behind uh you know, a digital filter and experience things firsthand because everything changes once you experience things firsthand, once you get those conversations. Uh, I remember one of the first companies that when we, we moved out here two years ago, I had a job interview. Uh, it, was a, it was a great job at a fast growing technology company. And it was, it was very exciting because it was, uh, it was a big, big, it would have been, it was a huge step up. And in the interview, I was just shocked that this was the, basically the best performing uh, tech company at that stage in the valley, and I meanwhile, like I, it wasn't that I wasn't impressed or respect the people or the team or anything like that, but that direct experience kind of changed my perception of what was possible, and it just it changed my whole view of how Silicon Valley actually worked, and it led me to double down on the mission and keep going uh, instead of pursuing that other path. Which we are glad you doubled down. In the next episode, we're going to kind of talk to, talk about the path of how we got here and the struggles that Chad and I went through or the, you know, the, the idea maze that we basically went through the past, what do you say, five years, maybe? Oh, definitely. And in some cases, uh, you know, when I was talking with people yesterday um, with this, you know, storytelling and some of the worlds that I've been building, the fiction I've been writing and things like that, it's been, you know, since the, my first memories were getting in trouble in kindergarten and other places for writing Ninja Turtle fan fiction and you know writing, illustrating stories and stuff like that, not wanting to do my schoolwork. And yeah, so the idea maze extends a really, really long time. I think for everyone listening, these next episodes where we dive into some stories and more examples are really important because uh, one of the things I did when I left the military was I revisited my earliest interests. So as a young child and not just like revisited them mentally, but I actually explored them again in the real world. So I hope these next episodes not only help illuminate this idea, but again, empower you as you go through your own idea maze. And I would love to hear from anyone who's listening out there. If you like this episode, let us know on socials. 
Uh, if you have a question for our next AMA, let us know there. And if you're enjoying the Mission Daily podcast, please leave a rating and a review. Every single one really helps us, helps us to do what we do. And uh, we love each and every one of you. Just the success of the podcast is really, really inspiring. And we could not do it without you. So thank you. And we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.